All right, if you would, open your Bible. Thank you, Bruce and Linda. Open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1, what we read earlier. This being the Christmas season, I'd like to do a series of messages on the main characters of the Christmas story. We're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're going to look also at Joseph, and then also the angels and the shepherds, and conclude on Christmas Day with the real main reason for the season, the Lord Jesus Christ. On Christmas Day, is uh, on Sunday itself, 25th, we're going to have just one service that day, on 11, uh, the 11 o'clock service. Please join us. We will not have the early service or Sunday school or the evening service, one service, <clears throat> trying to show respect for the time you want to have for your family. But we do believe we should have uh, service on that day. So please join us on Christmas Day. And I'll be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ on that day itself. But this morning, I'd like to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's so much misunderstanding, so much false teaching concerning Mary. I think it's important for you and I, from God's Word, to understand what the Bible says about her and take a biblical position on who she was and why God chose her. So we're going to look at several things about her. First of all, we see here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we see the announcement of the birth of Jesus. It begins in verse 26. We're going to look at Mary's physical condition. Mary's physical condition. Look in verse 26, please. It said, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph and the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Notice her physical condition as to be a mother of the Messiah. The Bible says she was a virgin, a woman who never known a man before, and it's so important for her to be a virgin. The virgin birth is a essential to Christianity, is what we call one of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Let me give you some reasons why the virgin birth, why her physical condition was so important to bring the Savior into the world. First of all, it was to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. It was to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 7, many of you know the verse. Here is written 700 years before Christ was even born. Prophet Isaiah foretold the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a what? A sign is a supernatural miracle, something that's very unusual, so it could not happen apart from God. The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the, one of the reasons for the virgin birth that fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, God foretold the Messiah would come to this world and be born of a virgin. But also, one of the main essentials for the virgin birth was to enable the Messiah to be born without sin. To enable the Messiah to be born without sin. To prevent Jesus Christ from receiving a sinful nature. You know, the Bible says we're all sinners. We're all born that way. We're born with a sinful nature. That sinful nature each of us have was passed down to us by our biological father. My father was a sinner, and therefore I'm a sinner, and therefore my children are sinners. It's passed down to every person by their father, biological father. Jesus Christ was born without sin, because Joseph was not his father, God was his father. Therefore, he did not receive the sinful nature. So the virgin birth allowed him to come to the world to be born without sin. 
that he might be a sinless substitute to take the sinner's place, that the believers, uh, believing sinner might be saved. That is important. David said in Psalm 51, this is true of all of us. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's true of every one of us. We're all shaped in iniquity. When we were in our mother's womb, we were conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's true of all of us except Jesus Christ. That sinful nature was passed down to us by our physical dads. However, Jesus Christ did not have a physical dad. God was his father. Therefore, he was born without sin. So it enabled him, the Messiah, to be born without sin. Let her see. The third reason for the virgin birth, not only to fulfill Old Testament prophecy, allow the Savior to come to the world without sin, but also to avoid creating a new person. I'll explain that to you. To avoid creating a new person. When you were conceived in your mother's womb, a new person was brought into this world. We become a person at conception, and your beginning began at conception. That's the reason I believe that uh, abortion is wrong, abortion is murder, because that one in that mother's womb conceived is a person, and uh, th- that person was created and became into existence at that time. Jesus Christ did not come into existence when he was born of Mary. He always was. And so this allowed him, uh, the virgin birth allowed a boy to create a whole new person. If you would please go with me to Micah, chapter 5, please. Micah, page 1304, for those using the church Bible. Give you a few moments to find that one. It's right after Jonah, Micah, chapter 5. Mary's conception of Christ was to be the incarnation of an already existing person. Jesus Christ did not come into this existence at Bethlehem. He always was. And the virgin birth allowed that to happen. Micah chapter 5, page 1304. Look with me in verse 2, please. Here is a popular Christmas verse. It is a prophecy concerning where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But the latter part of the verse I want to focus on, we'll read the whole verse, but look at the, uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, please. It says, But thou, Bethlehem of Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in what? Israel. So here's a prophecy by the prophet Micah of the very place the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But notice it goes on to say the last part is the most important part I want to focus on. Who's this Messiah being born in Bethlehem? Whose goings come forth have been from of old from what? Everlasting. Who's, the word goings forth means origin. Jesus Christ's origin did not begin in Bethlehem. He always was. It's from everlasting. So this virgin birth allowed a person, uh, uh, be, uh, otherwise avoid the creating of a whole new person. When you were conceived, a whole new person come to existence. But that was not true of Jesus Christ. When he was conceived in the womb of Mary, he always was. He's the eternal son of God. His origins are from old, from everlasting. So there's the reasons for the virgin birth. That's Mary's physical condition. That's so important. An important doctrine of the Christmas uh, season is that Mary was a virgin conceived of the whole, uh, Jesus Christ conceived in her of the Holy Ghost. Number two, number two, 
We saw Mary's physical condition. Now look at Mary's mental perplexion. Mary's mental perplexion. This news given to her that she's going to bear the Messiah was very perplexing for her. She did not understand it. And we're going to look at, first of all, at Gabriel's, the angel's announcement in verse 28. Luke 1, 28, the Gabriel's announcement, verse 28. The angel came unto her, to about Mary, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Notice this place given to Mary in Scripture. Listen very carefully, please. We must be careful not to downgrade Mary, but neither should we exalt her too highly. So many churches give her a position not given to her in Scripture. In fact, sometimes exalt her both the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we're going to look at, first of all, look at the position Scripture places Mary. The position Scripture places Mary. First of all, it tells us there she was highly favored. Boy, that's an understatement, is it not? Of all the women in the world, God chose Mary, this virgin, to be the mother of the Messiah. She was highly favored. In verse 28, and the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The word favored means endued with special honor. This young girl, believed to be in her late teens, was endued with special honor because God chose her to bring the Messiah into the world. So she was highly favored. But also, she was blessed among all women. She was blessed among all women. It says there again in verse 28, the latter part, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Boy, is that true. So the place that scripture places her is that she was highly favored and blessed among all women. But now I want to look at some positions she's placed in that's not scriptural. Positions of false religions place Mary. And many of you might recognize some of these. The first one is some religions refer her to her as the mother of God. She was not the mother of God. She, Mary was not the mother of God. Here's the Catholic prayer. Many of you from a Catholic background would recognize this. It says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus, holy Mary, mother of God. They exalted her that she is God's mother herself. And so, if you would please, go with me now to Isaiah chapter 9. Let me show you why that is not true. Isaiah chapter 9, page 993, another familiar Christmas Old Testament verse. When we turn there, mark this verse, because we'll come back to it later on in our message. Some religions refer to Mary as the mother of God. That is not true. I'm going to show you why here. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, in fact, the choir sang this verse this morning, which I thought was very appropriate. Isaiah 9, verse 6. We're going to look at the very first part to start with. It says, For unto us a child is what? Born, but read on. Unto us a son is given. Notice the son was not born. The child refers to his humanity. The son refers to his deity. Now listen carefully, please. Mary was the mother of his humanity, but was not the mother of his deity. He always was. He is God. And so no wonder it says unto us a child, humanity was born. However, unto us the son was given. So again, she was not the mother of God. 
She was the mother of his humanity, but not of his deity. The next place she's placed in, this is not biblical, she is not the mediator between man and God. Mary was not a mediator between man and God. In fact, that prayer, the Catholic prayer, let me read the rest of it for you. Again, it says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. So they refer to her as a mediator, that she prays for us. If you want to get answers from Jesus Christ, you have to go through Mary to get it. And Mary, the mother, will convince Jesus to do things for you. However, turn with me, please. Keep your finger there, and uh, Isaiah, please, coming back to that piece of paper there. Go with me now to 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy. A verse we all of us should turn to. 1669 is the page. 1,669. Mary was not the mother of God, neither is Mary a mediator between God and man. They push her to a position that if you want to get prayers answered, you've got to go through Mary to get it. And Mary will request your prayers before God, the Son, Jesus Christ. And 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to misread this verse, okay? So please look at it carefully. 1 Peter, did I say 1 Peter? 1 Timothy, I'm sorry. When I say the wrong verse, I get a lot of funny looks. Thank you. <laughs> 1 Timothy, chapter 2, please. Is that what you have? It says 1 up there? It's chapter 2. Boy, we made some blunders this morning. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 5. Is that right on there? Okay. 2, verse 5. It says, for there is what? Circle that, please. One mediator... Excuse me, there's one God, excuse me, and one mediator between God and men. And it says, the mother, Mary, Jesus. Is that the mother, Jesus, Mary? It says, the man, what? Christ Jesus. So the mediator between us and God is not Mary. It's the son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the one we go through. He's the one we access to the Father with. It's not Mary. And notice they didn't say there's two mediators. There's one mediator. And that one is the man, Christ Jesus. So Mary was not the mother of God, neither was she a mediator between man and God. The third false teaching about Mary is that she was not immaculately conceived. She was not immaculately conceived. When the Catholic Church refers to immaculate conception, they're not referring to Jesus. They're referring to Mary. They say Mary was immaculate. The immaculate conception is the belief that the Virgin Mary was free from original sin from the moment of her conception, that she was immaculately conceived and brought into the world without sin. However, do you know the Bible teaches that Mary was a sinner? Mary was a sinner. Now go back to Luke, please, if you would, please. Luke chapter 1. Look with me in verse 46, please. Luke 1, 46. This can be a shock to many people because the religion they were brought up in taught Mary as she was sinless. Yet the Bible clearly says that Mary was a sinner, just like you and I. In Luke 1, verse 46, please. And Mary said, and this is her reply to the angel's report. 
Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, verse 47, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my what? Savior. Why did Mary refer to God as her Savior? Because she needed a Savior like we do, that Jesus Christ came to be her Savior too, save her from her sin. So she was not immaculately conceived. She was a sinner like you and I. She had the privilege of bringing the Savior into the world. And lastly, another false teaching concerning Mary, she did not remain a virgin. She did not remain a virgin. Though she was a virgin when Christ was conceived in her, she did not remain a virgin. If you're in Luke... Look in chapter 2, please. Keep your finger in chapter 1. Luke 2, in verse 6. Luke 2, verse four, 6. It said, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she knew about Mary should be delivered. He goes on to say, And she brought forth her what? What kind of son? Now, that implies there's a Second, it didn't say it brought forth her only son. It brought forth her what? Firstborn. I was the secondborn of Carl and Bible Peterson. My brother was the firstborn. So Jesus was the firstborn. Now go with me now, if you'll please keep your finger in Luke. Turn with me to Matthew, please. I want you to see this for yourself because this goes against so much of what many denominations or religions teach today. Matthew chapter 1, page 1342. Here it refers to Joseph. We're going to cover him next week. The angel appeared unto him about the announcement of the birth of Jesus in a dream. And it says in Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew 1.24, Matthew 1.24. Verse 24, then Joseph being raised from a sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And verse 25, and knew her not, notice here, till she had brought forth the firstborn son and called his name Jesus. The word knew her is talking about physical relationship, talking about sexual intercourse. That Joseph did not have sexual intercourse with Mary until after Christ was born. But notice it, it did occur as it does in normal marriages. It said, knew her not till until she brought forth her firstborn son. Look in chapter 13, please. The Bible says Joseph and Mary had many children between themselves. This is quite shocking to me, so many. Matthew 13, page 1363. In fact, they had at least seven children. Matthew 13, please. Verse 53. Matthew 13, 53. It said, it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. Verse 54. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Verse 55. Look at it, please. Is, this, is not this the carpenter's son, Joseph? Is not Mary, called, mother called Mary? And notice here, and what? Brethren, jo James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, he had four brothers. And read on in verse 56, four, ha four half-brothers, by the way. In verse 56, and what? Sisters. And they are not all with us. Whence then hath this man these things? 
So we had at least four brothers, and it says sisters, plural. I don't know how many there is, so at least there's two. You can claim Jesus, they had at least seven children. So Jesus had many half-brothers and half-sisters. So Mary did not remain a virgin. The Catholic Church refers to her perpetual virginity. She was not. After Jesus was born, they had many other children, at least, at least six more than Jesus. And so that's a place they place Mary that's not there. Now go back to Luke, please. Back to Luke, please. We saw the Gabriel, Gabriel's announcement. Now look at Mary's response to this announcement in verse 29, please. We're talking about her perplexing, her mental perplexion here, that she was perplexed by this announcement. In verse 29 of Luke 1, here's Mary's response. It said, first of all, she was troubled. She was troubled by this announcement. And when she saw him, talking about the angels, she was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The word trouble means disturbed, holy, means agitated, alarmed. She was quite alarmed. And the reason why is she was a virgin. How am I, as a virgin, going to have a son? So this is quite perplexing for her. Mary did not seem to be surprised that the Messiah was to come. Rather, she was surprised that she would be the mother since she was a virgin. So notice Gabriel's explanation of this. Now he begins to explain uh, his announcement in verse 30. First of all, you're favored by God. Favored by God. Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. So basically, don't be afraid. This situation, God's bestowed his favor upon you in a very special way. But also, it's a promise fulfilled. A promise fulfilled. And uh, look in verse 31, please. Verse 31 of Luke 1. And here's the promise. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son that shall call his name Jesus. And uh, just save time. I, if you want to turn to you can in uh, Isaiah. I'm sorry. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, if you would please. As you turn there, in verse 32, the angel said, He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and as a kingdom there shall be no end. This is a promise by, Mas- uh, by Isaiah. Do you still have your finger, uh, something in Isaiah 9? Look in verse 6, please. We read the very first part, but where the angel was actually quoting the prophet Isaiah of a promise that was made, the Messiah come in the world. And it says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, read on, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth even forever. So basically, Mary, though she was troubled, you're favored by God and you're going to be able to fulfill a promise from the Old Testament. God promised this, and that was uh, his explanation. But not only was she troubled, she was also confused. She was also confused back in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Notice how Mary responded. I'm sure any woman would have responded. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, 
Seeing I know not. There again, that term, that physical relationship. No, not a man. So she was troubled. She was confused. And again, notice the angels, Gabriel's explanation in verse 35. First of all, that her conception would be a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Her conception would be a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. It's something that man would not do, but God himself would do in her by his Holy Spirit. And notice there's two miraculous conceptions mentioned here, often overlooked. The first one, verse 35, a virgin shall conceive. How many realize that's a miracle? Verse 35, the angel said unto, uh, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the first miraculous conception was a virgin, but the next one in verse 36, a senior adult would conceive. A senior adult which by years go past the time of being able to bear children. Verse 36, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath what? Conceived. A son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. So there was two miracles here of uh, miraculous conception. One was the Virgin Mary, another senior adult, Elizabeth. And so basically she responded by being troubled, by being confused. And notice the angel's response here. Not only that her conception would be miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, but number B, nothing is too hard for God. This is God's doing, something God would do, and nothing is too hard for God. In verse 37, here this is true of all of life, but specifically in the situation with Mary. Verse 37, for with God nothing shall be what? How many believe that? Let me give you some other verses on this. I'll be on the screen for you. Genesis 18, 14. God was speaking to Abraham here. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is what? No. (laughs) Jeremiah 32, verse 17. It said, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Basically, if you can call this world into existence, create the world by the very word of your power, the power of your word, create something from nothing, this is easy for you, is what he's saying here. There's nothing too hard for thee. So that's what the angel told Mary. Number three. The first of all, we see Mary's physical condition. She was a virgin. We saw Mary's mental perplexion, confused and troubled. And lastly, we see Mary's verbal resonation. Mary's v- verbal resonation. In verse 38, it says, and there's how Mary responded to this news given to her by the angel. And Mary said, Behold, thy handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy what? Word. This was Mary's expression of her resonation to the will of God. She did not understand it. It confused her, troubled her. But he said, Let it be. Lord, let it be unto me according to thy will. Mary was at this time was in an extremely difficult position. First of all, there was a possible rejection from her own husband. Joseph realized when Mary got pregnant, That's not my son. Though they were legally married and were separated physically for the first part of their uh, marriage, all of a sudden Mary's found with child. We know from the 
book of Matthew, how did Joseph respond? That he was going to put her away, what? Privately. He was going to divorce her. And no doubt she thought of that. And what's Joseph going to think? I have a child. It's not his. So it's a possible rejection of her husband. Also, a potential false accusation from others. A potential false accusation from others. And that too happened. People might accuse her of adultery. And we know that many times they refer to Jesus as being born of fornication. But others did believe that she committed adultery on Joseph. And so she had a reason to be concerned about that. But in the midst of that possible rejection and potential accusations, what did she say? Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And it says that she submitted herself to the Lord. She willingly and graciously submitted herself to will of God. Turn to me one more verse more and close with this, please. Go now to Romans 10, please. Romans 10. This will be our last verse. We're going to look at verse 1 and conclude with verse 3. Our focus this morning was on Mary, the mother of Jesus. We saw Mary's physical condition that she was a virgin. We saw her mental perplexion when she was told she was going to have the Messiah. She, it troubled her. It confused her. She didn't understand. But then we saw her verbal resignation when the, uh, when the angel told her she would bear a son. She said, so be it. Be it unto me according to thy word. She submitted herself to the will of God. Let me talk about, as we close now, the submission that an unbeliever has to do to God for salvation. Look in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, please. Romans 10, verse 1. It says, verse 1, Brethren, Paul speaking here, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be what? Paul had a sincere desire for the Jews to be saved. Paul was a Jew, and he had a sincere desire, and he prayed all the time that the Jew might, Jewish people might be saved. But verse 2 if for I bear them, the Jewish people, bear them record that they have zeal of God, but not according to what? Knowledge. They have tremendous zeal for God, but it's not according to God's word. To me, that sounds like the Jehovah Witnesses. How many of you had a Jehovah Witness ever knock on your door? How many of you had a Baptist knock on your door? Very few of you. They have more zeal of getting their false doctrine out. But they have, they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. But look in verse 3, please. Speaking of the Jewish people. It said, for they being ignorant, talking about the Jewish people, of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, and have not what? Submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Close your Bibles, please. Look up here. That's what this is saying. Paul had a sincere desire that Jews might be saved. He wanted his people to be saved. He said, I bear them record. They have a tremendous zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. What they were doing, and so many people today are doing this. So many people in church today, in fact, probably many Baptists may be doing this. Because they're ignorant of, God, they're ignorant of the righteousness required to go to heaven. What kind of, how righteous do you have to be to go to heaven, by the way? As righteous as God. And people are ignorant of that. So what do they do? They go about to establish their own righteousness. They try to be good and earn God's favor. They've been ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, 
and will not submit themselves to God's righteousness. How many before you were saved thought you had to be good to go to heaven? Raise your hand, please. At that time, you're probably trying to establish your own righteousness, your own goodness to go to heaven. By the way, what does God think of your own righteousness? Isaiah 64, 6, it's filthy rags. And many people are trusting their filthy rags to get them to heaven. So the Jews, like many people today, they're ignorant of the standard God requires for heaven, his own righteousness. And they're going about to establish their own righteousness by good works and have not submitted themselves to God's way of salvation. If you're here today and you're trying to earn salvation, if you think you've got to be good to go to heaven, you're trying to obtain your own righteousness, your own goodness to go to heaven, my friend, that cannot save you. You have to submit yourself to God's way of salvation. And that's through his righteousness. And what he does, when you trust Christ as Savior, he places his righteousness to your account. Therefore, being what? Justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. So salvation comes not by you trying to be good and earn your salvation, but submitting yourself to God's way of salvation and his righteousness. And that is obtained by putting your faith and trust in Christ as Savior. Most of you have done that. Maybe all of you have done that. I don't know, do not know. But just like Mary, when Mary heard the message from the angel that she was being the mother of the Savior, she submitted herself graciously to the will of God. If you want to be saved, you need to also submit yourself to God's way of salvation. And that's the, the righteousness of Christ by trusting him as Savior. Let's bow together, please. With the heads bowed and eyes are closed, please. My purpose this morning was to focus on the first main character of the Christmas story, and that's Mary. And help us to get a biblical understanding of this young lady favored by God. Help us to see it from a scriptural point of view. A woman that, because of what God wanted to do through her, was very troubled, very perplexed. However, not fully understanding, she submitted herself to the will of God. Be it unto me according to thy word, she said. Christian, is there something in your life that you don't fully understand, that you have trouble with and confused about, that have not really given yourself over to God and say, Lord, thy will be done? Why not do that today? You may be complex and for, uh, troubled as Mary was, not fully understanding why God's allowing this, why God wants in your life. And it's not really our place to understand why, simply our place to do. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, whatever it is in your life, that you would do as Mary, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, and maybe you've been going about trying to establish your own righteousness, your own goodness to get to heaven, my friend, that cannot save you. Because the Bible says your goodness is filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. And you need to submit yourself to God's way of salvation. And that's through Jesus Christ, what he did for you on the cross. And right now, you can do that by simply trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Trust in him, the one who died for you, was buried and rose again, and he'll give you eternal life when you do that. If you have never done that before, why not right now talk to God and place your trust and dependence upon him to be your Savior? You can do it by a simple prayer. And maybe talk to God and say something like this. Say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe your son Jesus took my punishment upon himself. Though he knew no sin, 
He became sin for me. He died in my place to pay for my sin and was buried. And I believe he rose again. And right here today, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me and forgive me and give me eternal life. I'm trusting Christ my Savior right here today. As heads are bowed and eyes still close, my friend, did you pray that prayer this morning? Did you just trust Christ as your Savior? If you did, I'd like to know that. I want to pray for you. I want to include you in my closing prayer. Let me first of all say I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm going to ask you in one moment to indicate to me that you did that. Simply raise your hand. And we'll do this as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. So no one will be put on the spot. But what I said made sense to you. And you trusted Christ as your Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you simply raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? And we're at all. Pastor, here's my hand. I've trusted Christ. Would you pray for me this morning? That made sense to me. I trusted Christ as my Savior. And we're at all this morning. Father in heaven, I pray and hope that means each one has already made that decision. They've trusted Christ. And Father, we thank you for this young lady that you chose to bring the world, bring the Savior into the world, Mary. And how that she was very confused about the announcement in, to her by the angel. Yet she submitted herself to your will uh, and asked and that your will be done in her life. Lord, I pray that we as Christians would do that. Whatever you want in our lives, we would submit ourselves to your will, knowing that's what's best for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.